1: We are now 37 days away from K-State football. Kicking off September 3rd against South Dakota. Highly shnikes. Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Yes, just five weeks and two days away. We're on until 5.30 today. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, and Travion Berkland. No DG. He's actually on his way to a wedding in Chicago. Funny how that happens. So he's not with us for the rest of the week. We haven't had a full house all week. You've been busy the last couple of days trying to help out with the news department.
0: Yep. Brandon enjoying his vacation up until yesterday.
1: And now when, you're back when, in sports. Yeah,
0: when that stupid C word caught up to him, by yeah. the way. Uh, yeah, that's a heck of a way well, to way end way to your to vacation. share his
1: medical history without It'll, his...
0: Ah, uh, now come on. Maybe he didn't want that out there Uh, Yeah, you know, it's kind of hard to hide that one in in general But
1: uh, yeah, Uh, so yes, it has been a week We're going to get your thoughts in the second hour And again, we're off at 5.30 because the Royals will have uh, Well, they'll be starting their four-game series in the Bronx
0: The Yankees and new outfielder Andrew Benintendi. Yeah, I was
1: going to say, they just went through a trade with each other, now about to play each other.
0: Uh, I mean, do you you go ahead and let him ride on your plane? If you're the Royals, do you just go ahead and take him along with you? He probably flew out last night, didn't he? Well, they flew out last night as a team, since they played earlier in the day yesterday.
1: Yeah, that is an interesting thought. Hmm. (laughs) Did he find well, Did he find out about the trade while they were in midair? What time did the trade go through?
0: What time was the trade? Yeah, exactly. that's 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 where we need to do a little investigatory work.
1: Hmm. That is that is very interesting, but uh, I would am- get the- pinged on the flight. Well, it is the Yankees. They probably just sent a private jet out to him and be like, hey, you don't you don't ride with the Royals anymore. Uh, right yeah. Brent Merrifield would probably ask for a private jet. Yeah, probably that, too. It, it, like this team, I'm, I've been done with them for a couple of years. Well, and, you away, know, yeah, get me away from them.
0: What's it tell you that it winds up being the Yankees that trade for him, and he knows he's got to get the vaccine now?
1: Well, yeah, I was going to say, that we had thought that, well, that kind of eliminates his chances of going to the AL East. The Yankees said they believe he's amenable to getting him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll say that for five ten because also the Kansas City Chiefs picked up a defensive end, in the free agent market, so big, yeah. That's a that's a big pretty, big get, I would say, for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's coming up at five ten. But right now, uh, K State announcing that the Missouri game is down to standing room only slash scattered singles. Bring it, which is awesome. I'm always game for an eleven a.m. kickoff that's sold out, right, packed stadium. But honestly, what that tells me is there's going to be quite a few from Columbia. Oh, making their way over to Manhattan that picked up those yeah. extra tickets that were up there that weren't sold, you know, that that were sold over the past month or so whenever tickets for single game went on sale. And those from Columbia who had a 500 year last year and feeling optimistic about this season are like, oh, well, I mean, game number two of the season, we'll, both teams will be one to know, right? Big game.
0: Wouldn't you want to, though, if you're Missouri? I mean, honestly, when the only game that really matters that you'll play in the SEC is against Arkansas, it's a better trip to come over here.
1: I've never been to Fayetteville.
0: It's okay. Nothing spectacular. I've never been in the football stadium.
1: Well, and it's also a uh, rekindling of an old rivalry. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Haven't played since 2011, so it's been 11 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big game. Bigger than we think about it right now. Right. But it's pretty pivotal for either team, win or lose. Very early in the year, absolutely. And and it was um, Phil Steele who said it when we talked to him a couple weeks ago. He's like, you know, it's pretty big that K-State's getting them early because they're not as veteran-filled with guys that have been in the in the system mm-hmm. and with the program for a number of years. Missouri's bringing in a number of um, – of guys in the transfer portal on both sides of the football. I mean, so is K State in a way, but K State. I mean, they got a fifth year guy at quarterback. the the uh, The secondary is going to be full of veterans come, coming coming mm-hmm. through the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 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 transfer portal guys that I would say K State maybe won the veteran race in that war. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'll be honest with you, I don't know a ton about Missouri right now. Nathan- I do know Nathaniel Pete. They got a transfer running back from Stanford that doesn't bother me one bit. K State shut him down easily. I mean, he barely even touched the football. He was the backup running back. You know, he might be a backup running back. We see him in Manhattan on mm-hmm. September 10th. But K State fans, hey, even- that might be true. I mean, it might be Missouri fans that picked up a bunch of those tickets. We might see thousands. Missouri fans in town for that game. Let's not let the other fan bases pick up the rest of those tickets. Like you know, uh, maybe we won't see a whole lot of KU fans for that uh, for Senior Day, but I mean, you know, it just—it's a challenge. Texas fans, you know, there's a lot of those bandwagon fans still left over from 2005.
0: Here's the other thing that it helps or that helps this situation, and that is that it's a locked-in game time.
1: 11 a.m. ESPN two,
0: but the fact that it's Locked it that we know it's 11 o'clock. That's that's the part of it that makes it so tough for everybody trying to determine okay, what are ticket sales going to be for any game on your schedule if you don't have the game times in relatively quick order. Welcome to the day and age of TV yeah, dominating true. it all. Yeah. I mean, that's very true. That, that's that's where I think that the fact that they're down to the standing room only and the singles plays in here i think a big part of that is it's an opportunity to see k-state early against a sec team and we know it will be at x time you know it period you can make your plans accordingly done you can plan a few weeks ahead of time and it's all right there,
1: but also the—I mean—the matchup itself. Since oh, it it's, is, it's a good matchup. Non-con, it's a great matchup. And old Big Twelve rivalry. Even the students, I'm sure, remember maybe a little bit from what was left of the rivalry as, at the tail end. And I'll never forget hearing the SEC chance at the end of the Missouri game. As us, I was in the student section for that game. I was still a student at Cloud County. That was before I went out to the Howard Stern show. That. Uh, we heard uh, as K State had like a twenty-four to seven lead or something like that at the time, and then they uh, and then Missouri scored a couple of touchdowns to make it a one-score game. But then the Cats were able to hold them off there in the fourth quarter. But uh, yeah, I remember hearing those SEC chants as the game came to an end. All right, um, let's continue on with K State football because Dy. Hinted at this a little bit. We didn't actually get a chance to talk actual recruiting for football yesterday. We just ran out of time. We had a short, uh, we had a late start to the show thanks to the Royals uh, losing yesterday. But Coach Kleiman in K State Football has added not one but two more players to the class of 2023. And DY, the hint was that this could be a profitable week. We're mm-hmm. expecting a couple of commitments today. Because of those that are visiting. As a matter of fact, they actually, I believe, are both visiting right now. I know one of is for sure visiting right now. And we did have a player commit yesterday. And he was visiting yesterday, committed on the spot. And his name is Austin Romaine. Three-star, linebacker, 6'2", 230 out of Hillsboro, Missouri. I've never been there. But he is the 15th cat at the time for the class of 2023. I mean, both of these guys basically committed when they walked in the door just about. Like, it was going to be an extreme long shot that they were not going to commit on their visits, either going on right now or yesterday. Uh, But for Romaine, I I haven't got to watch any um, film on R.J. Lester yet because he actually committed about an hour and ten minutes ago. So I I, 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 fall, I fell behind this afternoon. I will watch his film at some time because he, he's a corner and an athletic corner, 6'3". So he's a, a taller one as well. But I want to start with Austin Romain, who's 6'2", 230. And he's a second linebacker commit for K-State. He joins Colin Dunn, who's out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, also a three-star. And his offers list was... Uh, you know what? You, you won't find really any Power Fives in there other than K-State. But what you will find, Ivy League. He's a, mm. a bit of a brainiac. He's a smart kid. Harvard, Yale, Columbia, Penn, they're all in there as well. Now, when it came to Division I type of offers, uh, Air Force, New Mexico State, uh, Ohio, the Bobcats were wanting him. Um, places like that also like FCS schools as well. But he is your typical Mike linebacker. He, he would be that type of guy that could lead a defense. That's what he's done in high school as a junior this past season, lead a defense. I was able to watch his film right before the, um, the show kicked off here. I watched the whole thing, and the first thing I got out of it, they're like this is, this is number one on my list when I when I was playing high school football, the my least favorite thing to do in practice was, was uh, tackling drills. The absolute worst <laughs> because my teammates saw me as a smaller guy and thought they could smother me. And they hit hard. I was like, your teammates are always the ones that hit the hardest. Mm-hmm. And the way he gets downhill, he's not the fastest, but he can read a backfield really well. I noticed that. He reads the ball. He knows where the ball is going. He watches his film. There's no doubt about that, and he hits hard. He puts his hat down and he lays down the wood. That's a—he's a guy that you don't want to be tackled by. Austin, you see, if you're listening right now, if you're with Taylor Bratt in the Jeep, the purple Jeep, right now, and you're listening to this (laughs) show, I can tell by film that I would not want to be hit by you. You would smother me. My hat would go flying. Uh, I would need a few seconds to get back up, and then I'm going to make sure when I get back in line for the next tackling drill that I don't match up with you one-on-one. Screw that. Also, his numbers from last year are really nice. 85 total tackles, 19 TFL, 8 sacks, and he also picked off a pass. Now, with uh, R.J. Lester, where I saw him, he's only rated in one source. That's from On3, but he is a three-star. And he's been listed as the number 3 player out of Arkansas. 6'3", 175, Fort Smith, Arkansas is where he is from. And he is a cornerback. Very small list of schools he was offered. Uh, but like Austin Romaine, I believe they're kind of in the same spot. They both were uh, discovered, I guess, by the coaching staff from these camps. And Lester, that was from back in May. Uh, Romaine, that was this last uh, Actually, back in June is when the Cats saw him. In a, um, in a camp. But for Lester, his offer list was K-State, Tulsa, and Tulane. So pretty small, uh, but he is the third corner for the class of 2023. Donovan McIntosh is also on that list, who's, who's very solid, also out of Dell City, Oklahoma. Uh, Canigel Thomas. I got it right. I, uh-huh. I used to say, you remember that name? Yep. It was like Canajol or something, <laughs> a can of jaw, whatever that is. No, Canigel. Nigel Thomas, DY, was helping me out with that name as well. And like I mentioned, I haven't been able to watch his uh, tape or anything. I can't give you my uh, my best uh, synopsis of what this kid can and can't do. But uh, another kid that committed pretty much you know, on the spot during the visit, he wanted to be a Wildcat. And from right now where things stand, this was after the commitment from Austin Romaine, which, by the way, I got to say this as well. Austin Romaine is my favorite type of lettuce. So oh he boy. just you just became even better in my book. But Rivals <laughs> has K State's uh, recruiting class forty third best in the country, twenty four seven sports thirty eighth best in the country on three at forty first in the country. But I'll mention as well, and we'll see how these adjust, you know, depending on R.J. Lester what he does get graded out by Rivals in twenty four seven. And also, just get added to the database as being commits to K State. How this does change things a little bit. But right now, on all three services, K State has the eighth best recruiting class in the Big 12. They're only ahead of Oklahoma State and KU. But I mean, the reason why they're behind like Iowa State and like TCU, those seem to be the two schools. Ahead of K State, but also behind like the other five or six. The reason is just because of the numbers. And I like, I, I think there's like TCU or oh, there's even like a uh, uh, Texas Tech. Texas Tech is uh, has right now ranking wise as a nice class. They're like in the top 20. Well, that's because Joey McGuire has picked up like already like 21, 22 guys, like maybe even 23 guys. I can't remember the exact number, but already a whole bunch of guys. For the 2023 class. So it's like those kind of numbers why, you know, maybe K-State is behind like Iowa State and TCU who have just numbers wise more recruits for that class. But K-State's catching up and we won't judge those rankings too soon, will we? We'll wait a little while before we see how that does pan out. All right, we'll take our first break here on the game. When we come back, I'm actually, uh, I did a lot of research today. And that research was off of a Yahoo um, article in a video I saw earlier today about rent prices. So I thought, you know, <laughs> what would it cost oh for boy. me to live next to places like Yankee Stadium, Fenway Park, Wrigley Field, even Arrowhead Stadium? What would it cost to be within walking distance? Just literally steps away from these stadiums. We'll talk about that when we come back here on The Game. Thank you, Troy, for the game sports update. Speaking of the Royals at the Yankees tonight, guess who's leading off for the Yankees? That would be Andrew Benintendi. He is leading off and playing in left field and wearing number 18. We'll talk more about that trade coming up at five ten, along with the Chiefs picking up Carlos Dunlap, the veteran defensive end. How do we feel about that pickup? But right now, so this comes from... Uh, an article I saw from Yahoo today, but the National Rent Index has hit an all-time high thanks to low inventory, high demand, of course, supply and demand, of course. The U.S. median rent on a one-bedroom apartment is now $1,450 in the United States. jeesh Insane. Now, it won't stay that high forever. We're expecting that to kind of stay, according to this report, even... Uh, for a while and into the next year, and um, hopefully that'll drop sometime after uh, after next year. So we might have to deal with the high uh, rent prices for a little while, or it'll just be forever. It'll never go down. You never know. I, I'm, I'm not an expert in this field. But it made me think, you know, I've always thought it'd be cool to be like, you could look out your window and there is a, a stadium, whatever city you're living in, wherever it's at, New York City, Los Angeles, whatever. You look out your window, and there is an NFL stadium or an MLB stadium or an arena. Like, talk about not paying for parking. Right. Like, come on. You can't beat that deal. I might get season tickets. So I thought, I did a ton of research today By the I mean, hours. I was like, I got to know. What is the medium for one-bedroom apartments that are right next to stadiums across the country? And I thought I'd make a game out of this. I'm going to put Troy to the test. Oh, boy. And it's going to be, like, based on rivalries. For instance, Bill Snyder Family Stadium versus David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium, (laughs) whose rent prices are higher for one-bedroom apartments next to the stadium?
0: Given the setup around Booth, I'm going to say that rent is probably higher in Lawrence,
1: You are correct. The median price I found for Lawrence is 1100 for around the bill, which there actually weren't a whole lot. Uh, there's also a lot of, of course, houses right. that Wood- are rented yeah, out. Yeah,
0: you've got Woodway that sits there.
1: But the median I found was 750 Yeah, that's about right. Bill I, I would say
0: Stadium. that that's probably right, yeah. Uh, I can say this, however. I have partied at apartments close to both of those stadiums in the past.
1: Now, Arrowhead Stadium slash Kauffman Stadium. Again, there weren't a whole lot of one-bedroom apartments around there, but that came out to about 950 for a median. Coors Field oh, in Denver. Oh, you're probably, of course, that's higher. Yeah,
0: you're going to say probably in the neighborhood of 1250 Oh, no. Oh? Higher. Oh, yeah. Okay. $2,200. Jeez. Um. This is why the family that owns the Rockies – Literally has built up real estate holdings around the stadium. They've unveiled what is known as, uh, uh, I want to say McIntyre, and that's not, uh, wasn't Kelly's name. Oh, McGregor. McGregor Square. They named it after the, uh, former president of the club who worked under the Monforts. McGregor Square so that they can sell apartments and turn that money around into the ball club.
1: Now, there's not many, uh, like NFL stadiums and residential areas, but we'll we'll get to a few more later on. I didn't want to go to some more MLB stadiums. Wrigley Field versus Bush Stadium. One-bedroom apartments right next to the stadium. Oh, really?
0: Wrigley is going to be the higher priced of the two.
1: Actually, really? Bush Stadium just barely beats out Wrigley Field, according to my research. But you can't Maybe, sit on the roof.
0: Close. You can't sit on the roof outside of Bush Stadium and watch the game or sell those tickets.
1: Well, the median price I found for Wrigley Field was 2300. Interesting. And Bush Stadium 2500. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah, it's it's expensive pretty much every, everywhere you go. How about this one? Yankee Stadium versus Fenway Park.
0: Just because it's New York I'm going to go with it being Yankee Stadium.
1: See, everybody who isn't familiar with New York City will fall for that, especially since oh, boy. the median price for apartments in this country, the highest is, well, is accused of being New York City. Sure. And I think L.A. could definitely rival that, but I would imagine probably right now New York City is probably it. You're, especially one you're, bedrooms. Always
0: remember, shoehorn versus sprawl. New York City is shoehorn L.A. is sprawl. There's room for apartments to be built in L.A.
1: It's much more around Fenway Park, really uh, Yankee Stadium.
0: Uh, that probably because you've got the Bay right there, as opposed to the Bronx being the Bronx.
1: Well, and Manhattan, Manhattan, New York, mm-hmm. is the pricier apartments, True. of course. Yeah. as you branch out, the Bronx is to the north. I mean, you have Manhattan, and then you reach Harlem. Harlem is in Manhattan, but I'm talking like you know, as we go through the uh, the neighborhoods. But Harlem is north of Manhattan. It's in Manhattan, but it's like, you know, north of Times Square, upper east and upper west side, the wealthy places to live. And then as you get further north, then you run into the Bronx. And it's that's where you find like the authentic, like the people that are actually from New York City. That's where they grew up. That and Queens. Queens is definitely New York based people where they're from. They mm-hmm. grew up in Queens. As you it. branch out further away from Manhattan, it gets cheaper.
0: And the Queens ones talk about the folks from Long Island. Mm-hmm. I know how this
1: goes. <laughs> you need to work on your New York <laughs> accent. Yankee Stadium, uh, the median price for a uh, one-bedroom is 1750 For Fenway Park, 2400 Oh, my. See, and
0: yeah, this is one of the reasons why moving back to Manhattan – Kansas was good for us. We were paying 1300 for a one-bedroom. Oh, by the way, that one-bedroom was also turned into essentially a half-office when yeah. things went crazy.
1: How about this? Let's go to a, a couple of college rivalries. College housing, usually cheaper, of course. Uh, the Big House versus Ohio Stadium. Michigan and Ohio State. Who um, has the higher rent prices next to the stadium?
0: I'm going to say Ohio State. I've been by the Big House I've not been by the stadium in Columbus, but in terms of neighborhood and placement, there's not a lot there around Michigan Stadium.
1: Yeah, I noticed that too. But I had to find the closest you could for one bedroom apartments. Uh, the higher price goes to Michigan, really. But it's close. Twelve hundred for Michigan, a thousand for Ohio State. Okay. Alabama and Auburn, Bryant Denny Stadium, Jordan Hare. Who has the higher prices? I'm going to say
0: Alabama because of the fact that they had the tornado that came through a few years back and screwed up what the housing market was at the time.
1: Alabama is higher by a hundred bucks. Bama is fifteen hundred. Jordan Hare, Auburn, Alabama, fourteen.
0: By the way, that is a fun stadium just to go walking past. But when you uh, when you make your way around – Bryant-Denny. Yeah, Bryant-Denny. You make your way around the neighborhood, and you've got all of the fraternity and sorority houses that are right there as oh, well. Oh, right really? Oh, it's beautiful. It It is what you envision a southern campus to look like.
1: Makes it easier for the frat boys to walk to the stadium in their suit and ties.
0: That would be correct, yes. And a number of those uh, houses are on the National Registry.
1: Hmm.
0: So, interesting. yeah, very interesting. It it also gets you that the stadium itself, the upper deck on one side, literally hangs over the street. It's a little uncomfortable.
1: Let's visit some <laughs> NFL stadiums. I just I want to get your guess. I, okay, I'm not going to comp- like compare them to anybody. Not is it this or that? Uh, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, of course, the Hurricanes play there as well. Um but where do you think Hard Rock Stadium in Miami? The average price for a one-bedroom apartment seventeen fifty. Uh, you're low twenty two hundred. Dang. Yeah, it's I, pretty crazy.
0: I figured as open as that area was, that that would be a much different price. Lambeau Field, Lambeau Field. Uh, because it's Green Bay, I'm going to go on the low side and say fifteen hundred.
1: Not too bad. You're a little over, but thirteen hundred. Yeah, pretty close. How about this one? Uh, Highmark Stadium, Buffalo, New York. Oh boy.
0: Um, I'm going to go with right at about fifteen hundred again.
1: It's over. It's probably the cheapest you'll find in the NFL. A thousand bucks. Really?
0: Okay. True story. Hmm.
1: Now, I, I will. we uh, th- we're, we're going to go back as we finish up here. Just MLB here. But this tied for the highest I found in all my research, Oracle Park for mm. the San Francisco Giants and also Nationals Park, Washington DC tied for the highest that I found. Where do you think that lands?
0: I'm going, Average
1: price, one bedroom apartment next to the stadium.
0: I'm going to say probably 2350.
1: Too low, really. Oh boy. $3,600.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is why <clears throat> your legislators uh, in D.C., some sleep in their offices.
1: I was say, and, that's,
0: and that's before you even talk about what their staff well, has Nash- to try to deal with.
1: Nationals Park isn't too far no. from all no. the government stuff.
0: No, not very far at all from the Capitol. And San Francisco is San Francisco.
1: All right, because we're off at... Um, 5:30 today, that means we move up. Number one song of the day to the first hour. That's up next after these words. You can dance, every dance with the guy who
0: gives you the eye, to let him hold you tight. You can smile, every smile for the man who held your hand neat the pale light. But don't forget who's taking you home. In whose arms you're gonna be. So darling, save the last dance for me.
1: Mm. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Let the music's yes, fine. Like sparkling wine. Go and have your yes, fun. This is a great song. Mm mm-hmm. hmm. Oh, Laughing, sing. But while we're all from 1960, yes, Save the Last Dance for Me by. Do you know Troy? Oh boy, and I should. Travion's already seen it. No, I'll have, I'll pass today. Travion, did you know before seeing yes, number one song? Me. Yeah, it's Benny King and the yeah. Drifters.
0: I so should I know, know it. One of those that just blanked for the moment.
1: Two weeks at number one—a op in R&B soul group, vocal group out of New York City. A lot of New York today. First Ben and Tindy, and then rent prices, and now the Drifters. But the Drifters have had a ton of lineups over the years. According to Rolling Stone, the Drifters are the least stable of the great vocal groups because they were low paid. The musicians were in and out. It was in 1958, though, George Treadwell, who owned the name rights to the Drifters, he passed it on to the Five Crowns and their lead singer, Ben E. King, because he was dissatisfied With the original group's performance. So the new Drifters incorporated more orchestra, more Latin rhythms, more powerful voices. And also Benny King was singing with them as well. And he's singing here as well. Uh, Over 65 years, several eras of the Drifters, they've had more than 60 different vocalists in the main group. And also splinter groups calling themselves the Drifters. In 1988, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 2004, Rolling Stone ranked the Drifters the 81st best artist or group of all time. Didn't know they were that good. And with 14 studio albums, they had 16 top 40 hits, and this was their only number one. Good for them, because they seem kind of political. Okay. Well, I mean, like you know, managers not paying them. Yeah, right. Guys in and out. Couldn't hold on for a lineup for more than a couple of years. Yeah. If that.
0: Welcome to the uh, welcome to being an artist in the 50s and 60s.
1: Oh, I know. Yes, I know. So, I cannot, what is it? Well, I ahead. cannot
0: believe "Stand By Me" was at number one at some point. Well, well speaking of, but that was as an
1: individual. Oh, okay. Well, this song tells the story of a couple at a dance. It tells his wife that she is free to dance and socialize with other men throughout the evening, but she should not forget that she is going home with him. The inspiration for this song came from a very uh, personal experience. The songwriting team of Doc pomus I'm taking a guess on the last name, and Mort Schumann, They were from Atlantic Records, and they wrote this song. Well, Pumus, this experience came from his wedding. He had polio, and polio Mm -hmm. ends up giving Mm -hmm. you paralysis. And I guess there was no polio vaccine back then? I don't know. But anyway, he was in a wheelchair. He couldn't dance. But his brother, Raul, was dancing with his wife. And that just inspired the thought, you know... Yes, she's having fun with his brother, maybe some other people, but at the end of the night she's coming home with him. Now, Atlantic Records, they made what they call a bonehead move. And they relegated this song to the B-side of the single. They were trying to promote a song called Nobody But Me. But who took notice that this was going to be a hit none other than Dick Clark? Dick Clark was like, you know, I've heard both of these songs. Really, the B-side, it's way better. So he flipped it, and he put Save the Last Dance on American Bandstand. And from there on, it was a big old hit.
0: Wonder how it went on Raider Record back in the days of Bandstand. You don't remember that. Oh, no. Yeah. It's got a good beat. You can dance to it. I rate it a
1: 97. Well, in the uh, you know, the, <laughs> the way I I, I read this <laughs> and the way I phrased it, it seems like Dick Clark was just playing a song. But yeah. American oh, Bandstand, yeah. like the
0: Drifters would have been there to sing it, right? Uh, quite possibly. No. Uh, in, the, in the early days of Bandstand being an afternoon show, because that's what it was when it launched, was an afternoon show in Philadelphia and then got moved over to ABC as such. Um, it was actually spinning records with an occasional band in or just one band in for that day's show. So there was a lot more to it than just the band performances.
1: Well, the Drifters lead singer of this song, like we had mentioned, Travion first mentioned is Benny King, who a few months later started doing some solo stuff. Never, never and it wasn't long go. after this song made it big, he released songs like Spanish Harlem and Stand By Me. Night night gone gone I love it.
0: I, Should I explain Raider Record to you, given it tells your age?
1: But real quick, before you get yes. there, Spanish Harlem, shout out to Marquise Noel.
0: Tremendous tune, by the way. Raider Record was a gimmick when... American Bandstand went to a weekly and he would have three people essentially rate a song after it played okay and so it turned into the running gag of I it's got a good beat you can dance to it I give it a and so that's kind of been a running joke for some of us older types over the years
1: hmm. okay. It's your your
0: lesson for the day on American Bandstand.
1: I guess I learned something. (laughs) I just thought it was another show. It was like the Ed Sullivan show. Oh,
0: no. Uh uh. No, think Soul Train just. That's why Soul Train became what it did. Okay. Was because American Bandstand was so overwhelmingly white, especially in terms of its music selection. It was definitely oriented at the pop side of things, and Soul Train came more into focus because it allowed more R&B at the root of it. Okay. And so that's where that came from. Bandstand started in Philadelphia and was a daily show that Dick Clark hosted on a TV station there and took it from that to ABC.
1: I don't think I've ever looked up the American Bandstand on like YouTube or anything. Maybe like back in the day of number 1 song, I'd maybe try to go find some audio. Mm-hmm. But from everything I've seen, it was always a live performance. Or what was depicted there, to be a live performance. There was a
0: live performance, yes. And there, that was a, a staple, especially when they got to weekly. But there would be the occasional one when it was a daily show that would definitely have a precedence. But a, a, it started out as playing records. And Soul Terrain followed suit.
1: See, this shouldn't shock you, but my days of Dick Clark was Pyramid. Rock, yeah,
0: New Year's Rockin' Eve and, and Pyramid. Eve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that makes perfect sense. I'm just saying, you know, by the time that, you know, I started watching TV on the regular, uh, Bandstand was a weekly only
1: So it was show. on while you were
0: a kid. It was, but as a weekly show on Saturdays on ABC. Saturday night? Saturday day. Saturday morning. Uh. It would be actually the last piece of Saturday morning.
1: That should be a Saturday night type
0: of show. No, and and Soul Train was the same way, but it was syndicated as opposed to network, and so they tended to be... Uh, late
1: dances in the morning.
0: Well, there is that, but they felt that apparently it was the better spot for it because it was right at the tail end of your Saturday morning cartoons and the like. And it was a fluffier thing to get you into college football for the afternoon.
1: Okay. Hmm. Just saying, if you guys have not seen John Travolta on American bandstand, see what her in. It's the funniest thing you'll ever see, so I definitely recommend that. <laughs>
0: I, I I prefer uh going back and rewinding and watching Prince on American Bandstand, because...
1: I don't think I've, Oh, yeah, that's when he did I Want to Be Your Lover, yeah, right? Yeah, yep. Now, I have watched, believe it or not...
0: And Madonna's pretty solid on it, too, her first shot. Mm.
1: I have watched a lot of Soul Train in my day, sure. because there used to be, if I remember correctly, it was WGN mm-hmm. that had reruns... That would be correct, yes. ...of Soul Train, and I've watched... Many episodes of that. I loved watching Soul Train. I can't remember how old I was. I wasn't crazy. I, you know, I wasn't an adult yet or anything. I was probably you know, junior high is when I would catch it. I remember watching like Elton John. I thought Elton John being on there uh, singing "Philadelphia Freedom." Mm-hmm. I was like, I think that was one of the first episodes I saw. I was like, all right, this is a pretty cool show. Mm-hmm. Man, so many artists that made it on there, and all yes. the dancing too. I just kind of interests me.
0: Soul Train began 1971. And ran through 2006. Don Cornelius. Did it last longer than Bandstand? It did. It did. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was because it was syndicated as opposed to being a network show, which was Bandstand being an ABC product.
1: When did Soul Train wrap up? It felt like it two, was on longer than we thought. 2006. That's why I thought. I thought it made it into the 2000s.
0: Yeah. Uh, Cornelius, of course, 71 through 93 as the head uh, yeah, the host of it. And then they had three different hosts that took it through through 2006 before it finally was done for. 1,117 shows.
1: By the way, uh, when Elton was on Soul Train singing Philadelphia Freedom, I thought that was one of his best, like, when you can find it on mm-hmm. YouTube or whatever, mm-hmm. one of his best live performances ever. Because he was singing. Like, it was legit. And you can tell... By the audio quality, but it was so it was kind of if I remember correctly, gritty, raw. It was great. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. All right, that's gonna wrap it up for hour one. Hour two, we are off again at five thirty. But when we come back, we're gonna get Troy's thoughts. He's our Royals baseball guy. The trade for the Royals, Andrew Benintendi to the Yankees for three pitching prospects, plus the Chiefs picking up Carlos Dunlap. We'll wrap it, of course, with Ask Us Anything. We take a final break of the hour, plus your local news is coming up. Don't go anywhere. Hour two next.